about this series we're going to start today called Come to the Table. Come to the Table. And we're going to start it today, take a couple weeks off, then I'm going to pick up again as we head into the holidays. Uh, because I believe this series is really going to spark something in your life and in your family. So would you do this? Turn to Luke chapter 14. If you're new to the church, we'll put a lot of these scriptures on the screen, but if you brought your Bible, maybe you have a phone or a tablet, go ahead and let's find Luke chapter 14 together. I want to do kind of an informal poll, okay? We're going to do this together. We're going into the holidays, and probably if I was to ask, how many of you this morning, just by show of hands, uh, I'm guessing it's the majority, how many of you are, are Christmas people? Christmas is your holiday, that's the one you prefer. Yeah, that's me uh, as well. I'm Christmas, I love Christmas. I'm not one of those crazy people, though, that you start decorating like the 1st of November. You know what I mean? Like, there's some of you out there, I know who you are, and... Um, you're one of those people, you already got holiday music on, and it's 150 degrees outside, but you're still playing Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, and, and here comes Santa Claus. I get it, but, um, you know, I'm not those people, but how many of you are Thanksgiving people, all right? So you have a Thanksgiving, anybody a Thanksgiving person? All right, so I'm going to talk to the Thanksgiving people. Some of you raised your hand for both of them, that's not right, okay? You, you can't be both, it's one or the other, um, so if you're a Thanksgiving person, let me just ask you, you're, you're probably a Thanksgiving person, maybe for one of two reasons. Maybe it's the food, right? It's the food. It's, you know, they say like, why don't we eat turkey more often? I'm like, every time I have Thanksgiving, I'm like, why are we not eating this more often? This is delicious. And so um, that's maybe you, but there might be somebody in here that you're a Thanksgiving person because it is all about having everyone at the table. That's what it is for you. You love to have people at the table. That, that is. And so I want to talk to you today about the table because I would argue that the most important piece of furniture in your house is not your bed. That may be where you spend the most time. I would argue that the most important piece of furniture is not your couch. It's not your 55-inch 4K TV either, even though that's my favorite. It's not that. It is, it is the table. Amen. Not just today. It is throughout centuries, throughout history, the most important piece of furniture that has ever been created is the table. This is where life happens. Life happens at the table. I remember growing up, before there was open concept houses that are opened up to the whole kitchen, we had a little kitchen that had a table in it. We had a kitchen with a table and we had a dining room with a table. So we had two tables growing up, but we lived life at the kitchen table. That's where we spent the majority of our time. If somebody went into the kitchen to, to watch the cooking or to just spend time in the kitchen, they sat at this little four foot table. And then on special occasions, we would go into the dining room. Certain Sundays we go in there, holidays, that's where we spent time at the dining room room table. But I want to talk to you today about living life at a table, coming back to the table. And I would say to you today that if you study the scriptures, in particularly Jesus's life, you'll find that Jesus spent a lot of time at a table. I said, Jesus spent a lot of time sitting at a table sitting at a table. Let's look at Luke chapter number 14 and 
we're going to highlight verses 15 to 16, but really uh, it was after he was invited to a table in verse 12 that he began to talk to them about what you do, how when you're invited to a table. He said, when you're invited to a table, don't just, don't just invite the, the rich people. Invite people who are less fortunate. Invite those who cannot even invite you back. And he began to talk to these people who were sitting with him at a table. And when he was doing this in verse number 15, here's what he says. He says, now when one of those who sat at the table with him heard these things, this guy says to Jesus, blessed is he who shall eat bread uh, in the kingdom of God. And then Jesus begins to talk back to him and he says to this. So Jesus says to him in verse number 16 that a certain man gave a great supper and invited many. And he sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, come for all things are now ready. Listen to this. Jesus is sitting at a table. He had been invited. He was talking to them about how that when you're invited to a dinner, don't just invite the important people, the ones that that you think are are, are wealthy or the ones that have significance. Invite those who, who can't pay you back, man. Invite those who don't have anything. Invite the poor. Invite the needy. And, and then he begins to talk to them, watch this, while he's sitting at a table, he talks to them about the kingdom of God and how the kingdom of God is like someone who invite people to sit at a table. While Jesus is sitting at a table, he says, this is what the kingdom of God is like. The kingdom of God is just like a man who would invite everyone to come and sit at a table. At a table. This is what the kingdom of God is like. And if you look at the scriptures and you study Jesus' life, you'll find that there were many times miracles that he did that he was not only invited to a table, he would come and invite others to sit with him at a table. In fact, there were even times in Jesus' life where he saw a guy named Zacchaeus sitting in a tree and he invited himself to Zacchaeus' house. Huh? He said, Zacchaeus, I'm coming today to sit at your table. I'm coming to your house. I'm coming to your house, right? And so I think it's important for us to understand and really reclaim and take back the table. Listen, and I hope that your, you, your, you get from this series and your family and your life begins to reflect a life that would be one that we would sit at a table. Sit at a table. Sit at a table. This was Jesus' life, right? This is Jesus' life. And Jesus actually talked about himself. In Matthew chapter number 11, he was talking about John the Baptist, and he was describing people who were criticizing John the Baptist and himself. And in Matthew chapter number 11, it actually says of Jesus, Jesus says this, he said, Now, they said of John the Baptist, because when he came, he did not come eating and drinking. He abstained from those things, kind of segregated himself and separated himself. And they said of John the Baptist that he has a demon. He's demon possessed. But watch this. Jesus said, but I, the son of man, he's talking about himself here. But I come what? Eating and drinking. This was Jesus. Jesus is talking about himself. He said, hey, listen, I come. I did come to heal. I did come to set free, but I've also come to eat. Hallelujah. I've also come drinking. I've also come to fellowship. And they criticized me saying that he, because he eats and he drinks, he is a glutton, a drunkard, and he is a friend of sinners. 
Now, was he a drunken? No. Was he a glutton? No. Was he a friend of sinners? No, he was friendly, but his best friends were not sinners. His best friends were actually his disciples. And on many occasions, he would sit with them and he would break bread with them and he would eat meals together with them. And they continued this. In Acts chapter number two, verse 46, it said of the disciples, and they went from house to house, breaking bread and eating meals together. Listen, some of you, this is, this is your series, right? Because I don't know about you, I love to eat. I know every now and then we talk about fasting, right? We have messages on fasting. We talk about fasting. We talk about abstaining. I'm talking to you in this series about eating. Come on now. I mean, somebody ought to get excited because we're not talking about fasting this series. We're talking about feasting. We're talking about getting some food together, some people together, and enjoying a great meal. Hallelujah. And that's what Jesus did. And if you look at his patterns of his life and the three years of ministry that he had, he actually spent a lot of time eating. He did. He fed people. He taught them and they'd come to a mountainside and 5,000 people showed up. In fact, it was 5,000 men. It was really probably more like 15,000 people. He fed everybody. Listen, Jesus ate with his disciples. He ate with sinners. He ate with those who invited him. Somebody invited him, Jesus showed up. That's what he did. That's just how he led his life. This was Jesus. This was the pattern of his life. This is something that he did on a continual basis. You know, Psalms 23, it actually says the most famous Psalm. It says that God prepares a table for us, even in the presence of our enemies. That means when there's chaos all around us, that means when even things are falling apart, when everybody that you don't want that wants to destroy your life shows up, when devil tries to just break everything loose in your life, God sets a table for you, a table. He puts a table in the wilderness. He wants you to just come sit. There's just something about sitting down at a table. This is what Jesus did. He spent a lot of time just kind of communing and and getting together at tables. We are in our our fall season of our connect groups. And uh, before the season started, I talked to Pastor Alex and I said, hey, I want to just expand the the connect groups. We need to just have more connect groups. And man, we need to take the, the limitations off and let's just... Let's just have connect groups that meet maybe once a month or twice a month. So he began to put a plan together. And he came back to me. He said, hey, let's begin to do this. Let's take the connect groups away from the church. We had a lot of connect groups still meeting at church. Let's put them in homes all around the community. And let's just have them get together. And so we have these connect groups that meet in homes all around the Western communities. Wellington and Loxahatchee and Acreage and and Lake Worth and all these different connect groups. And I lead a couple of them. I lead a connect group in my home. I I live in Green Acres. And I, I have actually these three young couples that come to my house twice a month. And you know what we do? We eat. We have like a 15 minute Bible study and a one hour meal. We do. And when we're done eating, we plan the next meal. That's a true story. I know some of you do that. As soon as you're done eating, you're like, tomorrow night, honey, let's do this. You know, you're full. You can't eat another bite, but you're thinking about the next meal, right? That's what we do. Hey, next time we had like meal, we came together, said, next time, next time, let's do taco night. I'm like, all right, I'm all in. Taco night. Come on now, tacos. 
I'm like, I got excited. I couldn't wait for the next one. We have a connect groups that get together and you just eat. Now, not all of them do that. I have a connect group that meets here at the church. We do parenting. We don't eat anything. So they're not all geared that way. But I said, hey, let's get together and let's just have people just, just eat food, right? Because, I mean, there's just something about getting together. Listen, food is, is very central to our life. Now, I don't think it should be everything that we do. And I don't think it should be a way of living, okay? That's, we don't eat to, 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 you know, to just, you know, that's not what we do for a living, but it is central. Listen, when we get married, guess what? We have a meal. When we bury somebody, guess what? We have a meal. When we celebrate a birthday, guess what? What do we do? We eat, huh? That's just what we do. I, I just, uh, last weekend I, on Friday and Saturday, I went to Bush Gardens and took the, the family and we got season passes, went over there and just had fun. And, and, you know, vacations really are just about eating. That's just, you know, you go on vacation so you could eat, right? I've never heard anybody go on a cruise and talk to me about the excursions and all the, the shows. They might mention that. You know the first thing people talked to me about when they said they went on a cruise? Oh, the food, man. The food. I can't wait to go on another cruise. So I can go on food. They just talk about the food. I mean, we go on vacation just to eat. And I've been to that theme park and we didn't this time, but we've bought those bands before where you can get all you can eat, right? And I'm always telling my kids, eat, we got to eat more. We got to make our money back. I got to get my money back. Like 10 o'clock in the morning, eat, you got to eat. Noon, eat, another pizza, go get another pizza. It's free, it's all you can eat. Two o'clock, afternoon snack, let's go. Get off that ride, we're just going to go eat. Spend $120 going to a theme park just just to eat, you know what I mean? I mean, that's just a central part of our life. And so I want to talk to you about reclaiming it, not just so that we can get together to eat, but there might be a higher purpose beyond the eating, right? When just a few weeks ago, I told you uh, that I went to Arkansas to this thing, event called The Gathering. We're part of a network of churches called the Destiny Fellowship. And at the Destiny Fellowship, uh, there's, a, there's a head of the organization named Bishop Tony Miller. Many of you know him or heard of him. He's been several times here to preach. And he invites a group of pastors, just a small group of pastors, to come and to just fellowship for a few days. And he has several of these events, and we're one of the pastors to get invited. And we were invited with, with about 10 other, 12 other pastors for three days on a Thursday night all day Friday and half a day Saturday. And you know what we do during those three days? You know what we do? Watch this. We eat. We eat. Now we have other things. He, he gets a worship team together and we go into a room and he prays over us and, and uh, speaks prophetic words over certain individuals. We worship together. It's phenomenal. There's no agenda. But do you know what we spend a lot of time doing? Eating. And we rotate tables. And he brings in these people from all over. And I've met guys from, from Kansas. And I became a great friends with a guy from Oklahoma and another guy in Virginia. And now we just text each other, me and these guys. And you know where we met? We met at a table. Just where we met. And he realizes, Bishop Tony Miller realizes and said this many times. He said many pastors would have a breakthrough if they just had a friend. And let me tell you, I believe that's true of everybody in this room. That sometimes you just need a friend. 
right? You just need somebody that's going to invite you over. Somebody just says, hey, let's go grab a cup of coffee. Someone just says, hey, let's just, let's just talk. If you just get together and listen, where do we get together? We get together over a table, over a table. This past week, I did that twice. I talked to a guy and I said, hey, listen, why don't we go out for a cup of coffee? And we met, we talked for almost two hours. We talked about life and we talked about ministry and we talked about church and, and two hours went by. We sat at a table. Then another pastor friend of mine going through a tough time. And so I called him up, said, hey, on Thursday morning, I'm coming. I'm going to drive up. And he lives about a, a little over an hour away, about an hour and a half away. I said, hey, I'm going to be there. We're going to get there in the morning. And we started talking and we sat down and we had breakfast together at a table. Both those men were wiping tears with their eyes. Not because I said anything that was supernatural. Not because it was any great revelation. Just because they thought somebody cares enough to come and to sit with me at a table. At a table. It's powerful. I was thinking this week, I thought, man, do you remember the movie Passion of the Christ? Watch this. Check out this scene from this movie. If you remember the movie, most of you have seen it. Check out this scene. Jesus himself. Watch this. Hi. Lemon, Yeah, it's my favorite scene from that movie. So if you want to know who invented the table, Jesus invented the table. Come on now. (laughs) You You say, Pastor, that didn't happen. Maybe it did. I don't know. But I love that scene. And let me tell you, Jesus' life was always about a table. There was a scholar named N.T. Wright, and he said this, when Jesus wanted to explain to his disciples what his forthcoming death was all about, he didn't give them a theory. He gave them a meal. He gave them a meal. He invited them. He would talk about coming and dining and, and eating together and breaking bread together. 
Let me tell you, that's where we live life. We live life at tables. And I want to talk to you during this series about four different tables that we're going to reclaim. The first one is the family table. The second one is the community table. The third one is the mission table. And the fourth one is the Lord's table. We talk about communion and have communion together. We're going to talk about those four tables. And today I want to talk to you about the family table. Reclaiming the family table. Here's what the enemy has done. Listen, I know it's subtle. I know it's not something that, that you say it's, it's so, so um, you know, in your face or, or, or the devil's obviously had this plan. But I believe that through electronics, the devil has slowly pulled us away from coming together as a family to sit down at a table. And it is subtle, but it is no less the plan of the enemy that would try to pull us apart as a family, as a family. And so as we were talking about, uh, and I was, as I was preparing this series and talking to people about, hey, I can't wait to preach this series, I began to study and I began to reflect and I began to look into, hey, that the, the fact that we, we sit together as a family and the, the fact that sometimes people are not doing it anymore, that people are, are kind of sitting more apart or sitting in front of a TV or sitting with cell phones or going to, to restaurants. And instead of sitting together as a family, they're all sitting there on their phones and, and they're no longer conversing because it's at the family table that you learn about your history. You learn about, hey, the grandparents and the great-grandparents and you learn about the stories and, and crazy Uncle Joe and, and weird Aunt Sally. Come on now. Now you learn about all of them. Where do you learn? You learn about them at the table, at the table. And years ago, my wife and I, we, we, I don't know if it was somebody told us, we read it somewhere, we heard it in a sermon, but we decided that we were going to sit down as a family and have dinner together. And I know there are some nights now, listen, we're in a season and there's seasons in our life. We're in a season right now where, where Hannah just finished volleyball. When she was in volleyball, we were going from jujitsu to volleyball to Chick-fil-A, drive through to home. Anybody have those days? I understand. I, you have those days. But we still try to purpose at least four nights a week, we're going to sit down as a family. But we don't just sit down. We shut off the TV, we took the phones away, and we say, okay, now we're going to go around the room and you're going to tell us the best part of your day. So my son, who's 20, we started this when he was a young teenager. Um, we said, okay, sit down as a family, put everything else away. Now, as we're eating, tell us the best part of your day. And they'd just begin to talk about different things, the best part of their day. And then they'd get to me. And it was always the same. This is the best part of my day. Regardless of what happened, I could have had incredible breakthrough. We could have had a great day at work. could have had the worst day at work. But I know this. When I sat down with my kids at the table, that was the best part of my day. You know, we had three families dedicating little ones. And let me just tell you, I could give some good advice, some, some biblical advice. I can, I can give some biblical instruction and we do that. We have parenting classes, all sorts of stuff. One of the greatest things I could tell a family with young kids, sit together as a family and eat dinner together. Do it. Now we've got this new game where we play true and false. True or false? Dad broke his arm when he was six, falling out of a tree. You know, and the family has to guess, is that true or false, you know? And Elias is like, okay, my turn, true or false. I went to the moon uh, yesterday. He just makes up this false. Yeah, you're right. 
And then he was like, no, that was true. No, I don't think so, you know. But, man, he loves this game where we just sit together. And guess what? During those moments, he learns about the family. But, you know, as I was studying this week, watch this. I was studying this week, and I began to listen and talk and investigate the Jewish faith. The Jewish faith. Do you know that there are less people who hold to the Jewish faith incarcerated in jail, in prison, than any other ethnicity. Now watch this though, because this one staggered me. 90% of kids raised in a Jewish household keep their faith throughout their lifetime. Now, Christians, it's 30%. 30%. Now, why is it 90% of the Jewish faith and why are we falling behind so drastically? I would argue that one of the reasons is is because the Jewish faith and the people have learned how to eat together, have traditions. They've not just passed on stories of, of, of crazy aunts and uncles, they've passed on their faith at tables. Because every Friday is something called Shabbat. And Shabbat in the Jewish faith, it simply means a Sabbath, and they get together, and, and they have a bread together, they light candles, and that's every Friday night, and they speak a blessing over their families and over their kids, and they do it all around a table. So when I talk about reclaiming the family table, I'm not talking about just having a great meal together, which is important, or just telling stories about the family. And listen, all that's important. I want to talk to you about telling your family about the goodness of God, what God has done. I'll never forget a Thanksgiving in my house. Listen, I'm talking about, now listen, some of you, you know this, we had a meal now. Like turkey and ham and mashed potatoes and macaroni and cheese and sweet potato casserole and mashed potatoes and gravy. And I mean, a meal, green beans. Come on now. I'm just going to keep talking to y'all. Just go stop it. I, I mean, you know, it's just flowing from one end of the table to the other. This was in the eighties. And at this particular time, my dad had just come back from a mission trip to Haiti, right? And he had never been overseas before. And he comes back and he had just gotten back, I think a week or two or maybe a couple weeks prior to Thanksgiving. And he sits there and he's trying to pray. And he's looking at all the food and he's looking at the family gathered together and he just starts weeping, just starts weeping. And I'll never forget that moment. And obviously he was overwhelmed with, you know, the amount of food, all that we had and how little they have. But here's why it's important for us to come to a table. We come to a table because it's at the table that we first give thanks. We thank God. And what is important for you, listen, moms and dads, grandparents, Singles, anyone. It's important to come to a table to first give thanks. As a family, this is what we do. One of our elders is going to come up in a minute, Scott. Last week when he preached, he talked about generosity. And one of the things that leads us to to a generous life 
is the fact that we are grateful people. Grateful people. I'm going to ask Pastor Mark to come, and I want to pray for you today. Now, I know we have people in different walks of life, and you may be here today, and man, you're empty nesters. You're here today, maybe you're single, you're here today, and you're a widow or widower. So I understand that getting together at a table is something that doesn't happen a lot. But I want to encourage you today. There is a table that you can get to. Whether you invite a friend or, or go out for a meal. There's nothing wrong with going out for a meal. I'm not just talking about this happening in the four walls of your house. The two meals I had this week with those two men happened outside the four walls of our house. But often as well, we go inside the four walls of our house. We did it last night. We open up our home to get together as a family. And here's why. Because it's in those moments, not just the food. The food's just, the food's just a, a bonus. It is the time that we spend together giving God thanks for what he's done for us. To show our kids, to tell them the stories, the goodness of God, what God has blessed us with how God has saved us, how God has provided for us, how God has over and over again performed miracles on our behalf, that we talk about what God has done, that we share them with our kids. I can't wait to be a grandparent. I mean, I can, but I can't, all right? I can, but I can't. Because I can't wait, right, to have them all sitting at a table and go, now listen, before we ever dig in, before we ever dig in, let's pause. Let's give God thanks because this is what we do. This is what we do. And then they'll carry that on to another generation and to another generation.